I was excited for those miles to come. And when I hit 32, which Mendocino 50K is a 32-mile race, when I hit 32, I was like, okay, here we, even though I was already in the unknown, I was kind of playing with it a little bit. I just kind of made this announcement like, okay, universe, I'm officially in the unknown. And I loved every minute of it. I mean, I love the end of a race. I love the pushing. I love the cardiac drift. I love the story. The I love the central governor that comes in and tries to tell me that I need to stop and rest. And then I realize, like, I'm just taken in the field. I'm just passing through an experience. I don't need to rest. And you gave me some really, really key workouts, BJ, in my training, especially when we got to race-specific stuff in these last in this last month that I relied on yesterday that I went back to and was like, I don't need rest. I don't need rest. I have fitness. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the show. I'm Jess, your host, and this is episode 132 of the Yogi Triathlete Podcast, and we are on a mission to create a better world. We do this by bringing out and challenging our athletes to be their best selves on and off the race course. Seriously, we do. You can ask any of them. We share stories of purpose to our global community through this podcast. We work with folks who are interested in transitioning to a plant-based diet, which is the single most important change you can make to support our world, and we assist those who are ready to seriously uplevel their life through one-on-one meditation and mindfulness coaching, not to mention the M21 Revolution, which is a powerful community of like-minded change makers who are making massive shifts in their life that benefit not just them, but every being on this planet. Because that's what happens, you guys. Getting still, paying attention to your life on purpose, it changes freaking everything. And today's Ask the YTs is going to take an insider look into my up-leveling game from yesterday's Chimera Ultra Marathon. Beach is with me, and we've got some questions to get answered, so let's dive in. What do you say, babe? Let's do it. Let's find that deep end Ooh, I like and that. dive in. So let's get to the Sitch. deepest, deepest part. What? Why? Why did we end up here? Why aren't we in San Francisco right now? I mean, this trip, we planned this trip to go. Venture up, podcast, get in some trail running, get to the Marin County, which we've never been to before. So why are we here? Yeah, I love Marin County. And as we drive through when we're going up to Mendocino and Santa Rosa, which if you've listened to this podcast and you know us, you know that we're up in Mendocino every year since we've been here. So I guess that's two years. And Santa Rosa as well a couple of times. And so every time we go through that area beyond the bridges. I just love it up there. And so when I had an opportunity to race the North Face Challenge, I just jumped on it. And, you know, doing the visualizations of seeing the views from the Marin headlands and um, getting really excited about it. But it was funny because during my entire training, which was months, so basically two weeks after Black Mountain, which was the end of June, I started training for this. And the entire time I was training, I was training for more than a 50K. In my mind, I was training for something bigger. And it was, I had to keep reminding myself what I was training for. No, you're training for the North Face Challenge. And it was funny because there was some deeper knowing that I was training for more. And I felt like, what are you, you're not being focused. But it was this deeper knowing that I was training for more. And then about 
Six weeks ago, my training partner and M21, M21-er, Lisa, talked about Chimera, that she had just signed up for the 40-miler. And when she said that, I was like, when's the race? And she said, November 17th. And I was like, oh, it's the same day as North Face Challenge. I'm like, I like that distance, though. 40 sounds really good. Because there was a part of me that wanted something more than the distance that I've already covered. So I was talking myself, you know, talking to myself and reminding myself that North Face was offering me 7,000 feet of climbing. And I, and I even went back to the website a couple times because I was like, it's a five-star on difficulty. Like, what, what is your problem? And it wasn't that I didn't want to do it. I really very much wanted to do it. But something was telling me. I, it was like I knew the whole time that I wasn't going to be doing it. Last weekend in lieu of the campfire, and uh, it was really the campfire that that wiped out paradise up by Chico. I mean, just, oh my gosh. That's the name of the fire, not, yeah, not just the campfire. A, yeah. Such a just intense act of nature. So, so powerful. And this is different than the Wolseley fire that happened in, in Malibu. Malibu, which yeah. thousand oaks. So I received an email last weekend from North Face saying that the air quality in the Bay Area was real, was bad, and they were watching it, and they were planning on having the race, but they were going to let us know. And I got it when I was working at Steady State, and I just I had this feeling of excitement, like, like oh my gosh, there's so much opportunity, and that opportunity might be up in the Marin Headlands. That opportunity might be somewhere else, but I just felt excited about something. And I now know what that excitement actually was about, but I felt really good about it. Now that might seem weird because the race was threatened to be canceled because of this devastating fire, but there's a universal law and you can't get around it because it's universal law that everything resolves to good. So anytime that there's like a, a, a change, like especially a big change like that, that affected probably thousands of people, because I'm assuming that race was huge, 50 mile, 50K, marathon, half marathon, and I actually think there was a 10K and a 5K, that I knew that the other side of it, there was going to be something equally as amazing, you know, that that was going to come out of it. So I felt excited. And then Monday, which was Veterans Day, we received another email because North Face apparently was getting a lot of emails from athletes like, you know, what's going on? I can only imagine what they were getting. And they were just reminding us like, hey, we haven't been able to talk to anybody because it's Veterans Day, but we're going to let you know by Tuesday at 5 p.m. Immediately, I said to you, let's let our Airbnb peeps know because we had rented this great little studio over in Sausalito and you know, I was really excited you guys were going to hike up to the trail and see me at the aid station. We were starting to plan. And here's the first good thing that happened. They, she immediately got back to you and said, we're going to refund you 100% if you cancel, and we're going to put it on Airbnb for free for anybody affected by the fires. So I was like, okay, there's evidence, number one, that everything resolves to good. So we said, okay, cool, we'll let you know. And then Tuesday at 5 o'clock comes around, and there's nothing from North Face. So then we get on the... Um, on the Facebook page and people are like, come on, North Face, it's 5.07. And, you know, they're doing these funny gifts and some people are just being funny about it. And some people you can tell are, you know, I've got hotel plans and it's just so interesting how self-absorbed we can be. And I'm a human too. So I'm not, I mean, I'm not exempt from that. I can just see it like when I'm being self-absorbed. <laughs> so a little after six o'clock, they made the call that 
the race wasn't going to happen. So this was Tuesday night. And our plan at that point was we were making pizza. I was going to do a strength workout. But now I've got this whole thing laid on me that these plans that we have had for the last couple of months have completely changed. And now I'm even more excited because I'm like, oh, yeah, this is exciting. This is great. We have, I have so much potential. I can do anything. So what are my options? And then reading through the email from North Face, second thing, everything always resolves to good. They put out there that they're going to donate the $30,000 prize purse to the fire victims. So there's number two evidence of the universal law. So then we had three options really that came in pretty quick. One was go to Arizona. There was a 50K I could race in Mesa on Saturday. And then we would go and we would support at IMAS. That got really exciting and kind of felt like the answer pretty quick. Yeah, we were following. We follow a lot of athletes that were we going there, it, and some here in San Diego County. Yeah, we knew a lot of people, and we knew we could set up last-minute interviews yeah. and all we had of that. A place that. to stay. Yeah, we had a place to stay. It made a lot of sense. We could drive there. We could bring Clark. The second option was to do the Chimera Forty, which is in Orange County. So that means we would stay at home, get to sleep in my own bed, which. I love to sleep in my own bed and I would be able to go this longer distance. And I was like, gosh, this really makes sense because you feel like you've been training for something longer. Okay. So I let, and then the third option was don't race at all because I've been feeling some sensation in my glute, in my upper hamstring, and most recently in the calf on that same leg. And I thought, well, I could just let this rest and, and not do a race. Option three was scratched out almost immediately because I was like, screw that. I know from past history that anytime I've got a piece of my body speaking to me before a race, when I, re- when I take taper really, really smart, I'm going to be fine on race day. Never has there ever been something speaking to me in my body before a race that has showed up on race day. It just hasn't. It's never happened in all the years I've been racing. So, so I was like, option three, screw that. I really wanted to go out with a bang. And I wanted to just recover and then start training for Lake Sonoma. And so that was Tuesday night. And I said to you, you know what? I don't want to talk. I don't want to think about this anymore. I'm not going to talk about this anymore. I'm going to do my strength workout. We're going to make pizza. And then we're going to go to bed. And I'm going to know after my meditation tomorrow morning. And I was able to shut it off. I was able to shut it down. I was able to shift my focus and do the mobility workout and the strength workout and make dinner and enjoy my evening and sleep well. And I just keep getting all of this evidence about how well my mind is trained that I can say, okay, mind, no more percolation on this. We're going to enjoy our evening. We're going to take it down. And then we're going to just let it marinate into our cells. And we're going to get the answer after meditation tomorrow. Because there is no wrong or right answer. No. But there is the buildup of fatigue, like decision fatigue. You could go back and forth. Oh, and like, I could. Yeah. I mean, if I didn't drill yourself into like so tired and you don't, and at that point you, you're making a decision out of trying to end the, the constant like indecisiveness. Yeah. Like you just want to end it, just get it over with. Yeah. But that's not how you truly tap into the experience that you are presented here. Right. And so if you let it marinate overnight and wait till it comes to you in the morning, you're waiting for what is not right or wrong, but you're waiting for what is to unfold, available. to just yeah. surface. And that's been years and years of training my mind. That's getting up every day and sitting in meditation and training my mind. 
That's what that is. I'm not special. Wait, You're not wait, special. Wait. You just can't meditate once and all this happens? <laughs> this is available to everyone. The mind is a gift. It's a gift. It's a tool. And, you know, we're the masters. But somewhere along the line, you know, Einstein said this, that the mind, the gift became the master and we became the servant. And with discipline and commitment, a little bit every day over a long period of time, because frankly, that's what it takes. And if you're an endurance athlete and you're listening to this, you've got that already. You apply that to your mind and then you're going to have this on off switch that is so potent in your life. It makes everything just so much easier. So I shut it down. I slept really well. I woke up the next morning for meditation. And right before I, I went in and I did my breathing exercises, which just like take me, take me into it a little bit deeper. It's a little concentration of the mind. And then I said, give me the answer. And I'm talking to myself because I'm the higher source, right? I'm talking to the higher source that's within me. At the end of this meditation, I will have the answer. So I went into meditation and again, not being distracted by like, what's the answer? What's the answer? What's the answer? I, d I did my yeah, protocol. Yeah, don't put those hard lines. Like I'm going to come out of this meditation the, and I'm going to have an answer. Right. But the meditation wasn't about thinking about what the answer was going to be. No, it was the just meditation was your daily practice. Meditation. Right. Yeah. It was my daily practice of, of what whatever, I, what I do at this point. Yeah. And so I came out of the meditation and I just said, I'm in, I'm, in for the chimera. And I said, are you cool with not going to Arizona? Cause I know how much you love Iron I Man. I love being in that vibe. I know. I and, really but I, I said to you, I go, I can't make a decision. I can't make a decision right. based on you wanting to go to Iron Man, Arizona. And you but I do want to ask, are you cool with it? And you said, yeah, I'm totally cool. But you were even like, I'm, I can get a ride to the race and, and can, you can go. And you, I can go to the race, just bring Clark and we would drive down six hours and come back. Like yeah. that's an option. Like if there's always options. Right. But it just wasn't aligned for me um, on my part. I just wanted to be there for you. Right, because you're not my servant, right? right? You're my partner. And yeah, of course, I love having you there. It's amazing coming in halfway through the race and seeing you guys. I can do this, you know? I, I don't, uh, I'm not fearful of showing up by myself and doing it. So, I mean, it was like within minutes that I registered. Oh, I know one thing that I want to bring into this was that when I asked that question right before the meditation, what became really clear to me was, I want the up level. Where's the up level? That actually became the question. The question. Where's the up level? Because that's what I want. And when we had watched, we had watched little videos of Chimera and then also this 50K in Mesa, Arizona. And we were watching that vi video. It was like, this does not excite me. Chimera is a race that was affected by the Holy Fire. It will it takes place in the Cleveland National Forest. So the course that we ran yesterday was a brand new course. Elevation was completely unknown. I saw everything from 1,700 feet to almost 8,000 feet, okay? Distance, I saw, it, it wasn't 40. 40 was just a estimation. I saw for distance anywhere from like, I don't know, 41 and a half, to like almost 47 or 48. So the up-leveling was happening like immediately, right? Because there was so much unknown and that was getting me really excited. That's where, that's my essence is to go there. And then after I hit the registration button, another opportunity to up-level came in when we received the information from Jonathan, Jonathan Levitt from Inside Tracker. And 
invitation, right? Was it an invitation to go up to Truckee and do the Donner Party backup 50K, which was basically going to be the people who were displaced from the North Face Challenge to go up and do this like, um, you know, uh, backup 50K kind of thing. Backyard 50, yeah. yeah. backyard 50K. And the fear of missing out, I should have done that. And whoa, anytime I hear I should have done that, I stop myself immediately because I was like, uh-uh, girl. Your up level is here. You have committed. You stay with that commitment. That's what you're doing. And that's what you're aligned with. And that's where you need to be. So shut that FOMO down because that's not helping anybody. And then what came out of the Donner Party back up 50K was that they were raising money for the fire victims. And North Face had agreed to match all their donations. So I think they were close to $7,000 last time I checked. So look at all these amazing things that came out of the cancellation of this race. That was all I was seeing was the good things that were coming out of the cancellation of this race. Anything that was not positive wasn't even in my field. It still hasn't even come into my field. So here I was just days before trained for a 50K, running 40-ish, not really knowing what the elevation was going to be on a brand new course that it was described as, <laughs> maybe I should pull this up on the, it was, it's just no joke. Steve Harvey, who runs it, is an old timer, ultra marathoner, pretty hardcore. It's typically a hundred mile and hundred K race, but because it was now a 20 mile loop, they were able to offer a 20 and a 40 mile. Basically it's referred to as the beast. So Chimera is a figure of Greek mythology. It's a fire breathing animal comprised of a lion, a goat, and a serpent. And just everything that I read about this race is that it's totally gritty, hardcore, enough to kind of like create some swirly energy of like fear. And fear is also known as excitement in my life. So and even if you look at the logo, it's like pretty sick. Uh, Steve, Har Steve Harvey is known as the old goat. He's the race director. And actually, we have a, we have a question about him. So I'll wait to talk about he that. He did the Leadville. He did Wasatch. He's done all these and he looks like, endurance races. He looks like Albert Einstein. Yeah. And, you know, being in the Cleveland National Forest, I've never run these trails before. And there's just, because it was a race that almost wasn't, because the Holy Fire wiped out the course, and Steve was able to get permission from the Wildlife, uh, wildlife um, Forest Service, and uh, he was able to create this loop, and everything just worked out and resolved to good for him. And now here I am. I did actually didn't even make this connection until this morning when I was journaling. Like, now here I am, able to sign up for this race, because this is clearly his livelihood, or these old goat races. And his house, which was very close to the Holy Fire, was saved. Now here I am, contributing to another victim of a fire. It was just really cool how much good came out of the cancellation of this race. I was really excited to be a part of all of it. So that's how I ended up being at Chimera on Saturday. Whew. Yeah. There's so many opportunities for the opposite to happen. Or to be in that energy of being wronged, right? Or, or being disappointed that 
that the race didn't happen. And that just stems from attachment. We talk a lot about that, like attachment from all this training to go into this one race. And so you can still do the work, which you did, but you weren't attached to whatever that race was. You, you were attached to, there was an attachment to just showing up and doing the work. And I knew I could do it. I yeah. knew I could do the distance. And when you I said would... 40 miles, it was like, of course. Of course, of course I can do that. Of course you could go 60. But I was like, it might be 47 or might be 42. Yeah, that I don't really know what it's going to be, but whatever it was going to be, I was going to do Did it. Did you want to mention what he was talking about with the Garmin's? Oh yeah, he was Which funny. Is pretty funny. So I just—it's such a well. Why don't you talk about it? Because you're so steeped in Ironman, yeah, and I'm as well. But I'm obviously spending most of my time with ultra runners these days, and so <laughs> the vibe is very different. Anybody who's run a trail race knows that, and maybe you've even heard that. It's just a very low key vibe, super low key. And I love Ironman. Don't get me wrong, I love it. I love being a spectator and a supporter of that sport. That sport changed my life. But ultra running is, is very different. So, yeah, so during the race meeting. Yeah, even before that, when you were in registration, I was talking to him alone. And he was saying, six, six o'clock, if we get off at six, it's going to be a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the sun needs to rise. And he was just like, with everything that's going on, it, it may be like 6.10, 6.15. But he was very matter of fact and, and pretty jolly i would say like he was he was pretty funny super sweet guy but then he was doing the pre-race meeting which we jumped out of the car i think at like five fifty-eight, right yeah i got a chance to do a meditation in the car i had set up a really cush setup for it was BJ. Cush. i spent a lot of time in the back of our car yeah i set it up really cush sleeping bag and everything and i meditated back there um before for 20 minutes before the race started it was so amazing so we just 558 came and we just walked right up to the start and everybody was there. It was still a little bit, it was, the light was starting to come up. But uh, Steve Harvey was there with that megaphone and he's just giving everybody the, the spiel about the race. And he was pretty funny. He was saying, uh, the distance is the distance. So you can come up to me with your Garmin and show me your di the distance and elevation. And it probably won't match what's listed anywhere. And I'll tell you, thank you for sharing that information. Which is a super high level spiritual technique right. that our teacher has taught us. Like when, <laughs> if somebody is confrontational or they're like, or maybe, you know, if you're not wanting to mix with that low vibe anymore, but you haven't figured out a way to break away from those people and they start with the low vibe, you just say, thank, thank you. you for sharing that. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And then that actually, it's in my experience that has elevated the frustration with that other person. <laughs> But that's for them to work on, not for me. I'm right. just responding. Thank you for sharing. Right. We don't have yeah. to match that energy. So yeah, that was pretty funny. And everybody was laughing. Yeah, because nobody gives a shit. They yeah. don't. They just want a raw experience. Yeah. That's the thing that I love. They just want a raw experience. And we were talking about just the last night about the differences between Iron Man. Iron Man is just a really clean cut experience. It's very polished. And this was the opposite of polished, right? He's talking about the elevation. He's like, I've heard 1,700. It might be 3,000 or 3,500 per loop. Um, you guys can let me know. He's like, the only one that matters is this one right here. And he holds up his wrist and there's no Garmin. He's like, and I used to have a Garmin. I don't have one anymore. So basically, go out there, have yeah. some fun. So basically, my word is the only one that right. matters, my imaginary watch. <laughs>
Yeah, he was really great. And he, I think he actually teared up a little bit he when did. he was talking about... Because he was talking about how the, the race fire. almost didn't happen. Yeah. He, he looks like the kind of guy that hasn't cried in uh, 400 years. He's just really... Just salt. My mother, yeah. as my mother said, I was, my mother was online. She's like, he looks like Einstein. I love this guy. She's like, he's salty. I'm like, that's the perfect way to describe him. He's salty. And, uh, and he was getting choked up because he was talking about the holy fire and how the firefighters saved his home and it was really, really close. And that there's a biker bar on the Ortega Highway called Hell's Kitchen. And, Hell's Kitchen stayed open 24 hours a day during that fire to feed the firefighters and give them a place to rest. And, and then he was crying and he was just like, you know, yeah, it's bringing back, he still hasn't processed the experience. Yeah, it's and I was up like, he's emotions. having a release. This is amazing. In front of all these people. In like, front of all these it people. It was so perfect. It was just so, it was so beautiful. And here we are in the middle of the Cleveland National Forest and he's tearing up and and we're just amongst all these people that are just, you know, they don't care about the distance. They don't care about the elevation. They're just looking for a real experience of rawness and toughness and challenge. And that's something that really, really aligns with me. And that's something that I realized yesterday that I love about, about ultra running. I love the danger of it. I love how focused and how technical it is and how you really have to pay attention. I love how it requires your focus. Presence. And if you don't have focus, it will, it will bitch slap you so fast. You don't even, you cannot even blink and you're going to have a rock in your head. Yeah. I, <laughs> I saw some people coming through just on that first lap who were just done. They weren't going back out. They had may, may have planned to do a longer, longer, the longer version, whatever it was. And they just weren't. They weren't there. And to see that and then to see these other people who were like booming through, like speeding through, you were one of them. Just like, yeah, let's get this done. We're in and out. I loved it. I loved every second of it. One thing I want to say is I'll give you guys the final mileage and everything. So according to my Garmin, I ran 42.34 miles. I do like, I you know, I liked putting... It, the exact number in there. However, you guys did... I'm not subject to not wanting my right. data. You guys did start and go out the wrong way on that first Yeah, there, that includes bonus miles. Right, there were some bonus miles. So they, they the missed beginning. the trail. I actually went up there to, to, to check it out. And the guy, some guy was there now who was stationed there to direct people yeah. to go down that trail. But they went on the pavement. Because I told you the pavement was only... I know. And I knew it. Eight tenths okay, of a so mile, Okay, so this is what happened. The gun, well, the gun went off. The gun was Steve going, Go. And we all took off, and I made a total rookie mistake. I followed the crowd. should never follow the crowd when you're a warrior. And as we passed the bathrooms, which was the trailhead, I, was, I looked over at the bathrooms. I specifically remembered this pull. And I'm like, I don't have to go to the bathroom. But it was that freaking higher self who I've given so much volume to saying, could you please just get on the trail now? And instead I followed the crowd and I added another like mile and a half. But two things. One, another opportunity to just go with the flow, right? This yeah. is, this is what I didn't happens. even know. Right. I actually didn't know until about 10 miles into the race. Somebody was like, did you do the bonus miles? I was like, what? And I said, I thought we were on the pavement too long. Too long, yeah. So that was me not listening to my intuition. And every once in a while, I don't listen to my intuition and I get bonus miles. And that's the other point. Like you got, you went 
far, further. Yeah, so it went just, even further. It just shows you. It was the up level. Why not 45? Why not 40? Why not 50? Like, you can start thinking about this. There was a part of me that's like, you could go to the 100K today. Yeah, do six. Yeah, that <laughs> there was a part of me that was like, totally I could do that. another loop. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, I was like, this is plenty. So I did 42.34 miles and the climbing was 7,406 feet. And I love the fact that I didn't know what the climbing was because I was like, this seems like a lot more than 1,700, but I didn't have it in my head. Like, oh, this is, you know, 3,200 feet every loop. I didn't have that information. And so we have the mind has this need for certainty. And if you don't practice being uncomfortable with the unknown, what's going to happen is you're going to like, you're going to crave that certainty. That certainty is going to rule you. And because that certainty doesn't rule me and I get excited about the unknown because I know that that's where my potential lies. My potential doesn't lie in certainty. That's where my prison is. So the fact that I didn't know just made it so much more adventurous and it just made me tackle what was in front of me with a hundred percent of who I was and not like I've got to save myself because this is the biggest climb I've ever done in the longest run. I didn't have that information to, to specificity. So it didn't hold me back. It's almost limiting to know the elevation would be limiting. limiting your potential to rise up. Put it this way. If I had a chance to do another race and it was, it was deciding between a race that was a race that I knew the distance and I knew the elevation and one where the, where the distance was like an ish and the, and the elevation was an ish, you better believe that I would be doing the unknown race because that's like... That's up-leveling potential. It's up-level. Right? Yeah, and it's up-leveling my ability to walk into the unknown Ch- and embrace it. And challenge beliefs. Challenge your... Challenge... And this may not just be your beliefs, but it's challenging subconsciously what your mind falls back to the default the default is the safe zone the the default is the comfort zone the default is the known so if you're constantly looking for opportunities to seek the unknown now you begin to change that default so now it seems to me and it's pretty getting pretty clear that your default is the unknown my default is the unknown and with the unknown comes fear and so for me fear is excitement. Fear and excitement are the exact same things now. Yeah, they come from the same part of the brain. My freedom's on the other side of it. And whatever that looks like, I'm, I trust that. I trust that whatever it is, I know that my free, freedom's on the other side. So why not walk into it? Why not walk into it? So one thing I want to talk about before we dive into the questions is the meditation I had the day before the race. I heard these words and I saw them. It's hard to explain. Some of you may, if you meditate, you may know what I'm talking about, but it was like a knowing passing through. This is what came in passing through. And so you'll hear or you'll see words and then you get a download, you get a knowing. And the passing through was that we're all just here passing through. We pass through our mothers to get here we pass through the stages of our physical life. We pass through experiences every day that allow us to pass through to higher levels. And then when our job here is done, we're going to pass through to a new plane of existence. That's all this is, is a passing through. So 
Saturday was like, it was just about passing through experience and there was nowhere else for me to be than exactly where I was. And my presence is so strong. It's my default now that every moment was so expansive and so focused that when you start to really embody the expansiveness of a moment, it's incredible joy. And that was really the fuel for my race the entire day. I was in total joy. And after the Black Mountain race in June, we had a question from a listener. And the question was, there had to have been a low point. There's always a low point. And I was thinking about that question yesterday and I was like, there's no low points because my gratitude is so high because I took gratitude so deep to such a disciplined and committed level during the toughest time of my life last year, what we went through financially and just the risk that we took for Yogi Triathlete and how scary that was. That was so terrifying. And in the most terrifying moments, I focused on gratitude. And that shifted me on a cellular level. My labeling of hard and easy and high and low and good and bad, they're dissolving if they haven't already dissolved because there was none of that yesterday. There's a part of the course that's gnarly. And I was like, whoa, this is gnarly. But it's, it's gnarly with appreciation for what I was being offered. I Another mean, I opportunity. Just Another opportunity. so yeah. appreciative of all the experiences I had to pass through of another foot strike, another rock climb, another, um, I don't know, just technical descent. It was all just this amazing, expansive, and very focused experience. Just a series of moments. And never did 40 miles feel long. And the focus if I get this right from, from how you explain it, you're focused, you're super focused, but you're not serious. You're, you're no. also, you're playful out there. You're engaging with, with people. You're talking to other runners. You're talking to the volunteers, right? So I, I, I don't, I, th I think there's a good distinction there. You don't have to, to be focused doesn't mean you have to be super serious and, and like block No, this out. whole like serious thing, like everything has to be so hard in life and everything. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I get my ass out of bed and I do the work. I do the work every day. And, but that doesn't mean it's so hard. And so it's like, have fun. It was funny because I got two things that, that I really took out on the trail with me. One, I had a text from somebody that I've worked with with uh, mindfulness and meditation. And she's an amazing runner. I know she's listening to this. She's an amazing runner. And she said something about frolicking in the woods. And I was like, I love that. I'm going to take that into my day. That I'm just out there communing with nature and having an experience and just frolicking. That felt so playful to me. And here I am taking this playful mindset out onto a course that's known as the beast, right? Like how fun is that? And then Golden, who's my partner in M21, just, she texted me and she just said, your mastery is on point and, you know, this is bliss. And I was like, it is bliss. I'm totally taking with that with me on the trail. And, 
I just, I was playful and um, I was just observant of the beauty around me and the miracles around me and so grateful of my body and kept coming back to this chapter in the Bhagavad Gita called The Field and the Knower. And the knower being my soul, my higher self, my purusha, as you would call it in the spiritual world, in the yogi world, and then prakriti, which is nature, which is the field. The cliff notes for this could be found in the legend of Bagger Vance when he talks to when he's got Matt Damon in the woods with the golf ball and he's like telling him to take in the field. And I just, and the field includes your body. And I was like, just keep taking in the field. And the field was the technical trail. The field was like, it was hardcore right. single track. It's, it starts to block all the noise out and you get hyper yes. focus. Like everything just falls away. What's in the field right now? It's, and it was like step after step. The heart between rate. Between the rocks. What comes next? Like being in that moment. Yes. Yeah. I loved that. So I was just like, just keep taking in the field, girl. You're just taking in the field today. And so I felt like the whole day was a moving meditation that was up-leveling that voice, that higher voice inside me. All right, let's dive into questions. Let's get into some logistical stuff here. Wait, did we cover all the stats? You got your yeah. time, elevation. Elevation. Oh, my time was 10.30. And your placement. Oh, I podiumed. Yeah. Third my age group, my first podium in an ultra marathon. Yeah, that was fun. And you got third only by... A short. Oh yes, 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 yeah. yes. I got second third was by a little like, far ahead, but third, you were fighting for third. Yeah, with, first not was knowing, not knowing about it. First was an hour and a half in front of me. Second was an hour in front of me, and then fourth was like a minute forty behind. It wasn't me. too far. And then fifth was like two minutes behind yeah. me, and it's it's like, but I didn't go into it. I didn't no, go no. into it wanting to place, but I did say to you like I could win this race. I could anything can happen. I could win this race. Anything could happen. There was an act of nature that canceled a race that by all intents and purposes should have happened, right? Anything can happen. And, uh, but I didn't go out there thinking like, oh, I got a place. But it was every moment at the end, every single second counted. Like, I mean, the whole, not at the end, but the whole thing. But at the end, you got to, like, I just kept going, right? Dismissing that central governor. And maybe we can get into that after. Okay. Do we so want to read Carol, questions? yeah, go yeah, we're going, we're going questions. Oh, wait, those are questions. <laughs> Carol, those are your questions <laughs> from the last one. Hold on, let me pull them up. I got it right here. She, um, how did you? How did it compare to your other races? What do you think about the old goat situation? The RD seems a little intimidating. I hope it was a fulfilling experience. So the RD is the race director, Steve Harvey. He is such a love. I talked to him after the race and just explained to him how, tried to convey to him how grateful I was that he persevered and put this race on and, and how grueling it was and how gnarly it was. And his, and his reply, you were standing there with me, was just like pretty much that he's not going to do anything that's not gnarly. He's not putting on anything. Like his favorite race is the Wasatch 100. Yeah. The, the more challenging, <laughs> the better. The better. And that's me, man. Like, uh, that's so, that's perfect alignment. Well, I think because the alternative is out there aplenty. Like, there's so m many opportunities to just run flat races and do not it. Not that do flat's it, easy. Not that flat's easy, but just the, the more comfort, comforting races, more close, closer to, to uh, 
society because this race was way out oh, yeah, in the sticks. I had no cell service all day. I was like, basically, we're all just like our own individuals having our own quiet time. We were basically in the hands of God yesterday because we were in the middle of the Cleveland National Forest. And yeah, we were in the, yeah, there was, there was no, like, I couldn't see any strip malls from the, all I saw was forest. Well, we and didn't even mountains. talk about the road, the Ortega Highway, <laughs> and then off the Ortega Highway, that uphill road, single road, just yeah. to get to the trail. Like, the, the drive from San Juan Capistrano, which is like South Orange County, <laughs> to the, to the base of where the start of this race was, was like death defying. Yeah, it was like when Lisa got there, Lisa, um, who was running the race, she was like, how'd you like that drive up here? I mean, it was kind of insane. <laughs> it was really insane, yeah. especially at three o'clock in the morning coming around the corner. Yeah, we were in the middle of nowhere. The whole thing was like an up-level event. Yeah. If you want to up-level, go sign yourself up for Tremera. Um, so the so the RD, Carol, he's an absolute love. He's just such a sweetheart, but he's salty and he's hardcore. And I absolutely wouldn't want to piss him off. But I feel like he's, He's like somebody that would like he'd go to the mat for you, you know? He he just feels really he's like a bear. He's just really protective. Yeah, like all those runners are his kids. Yes. It's his family. Yeah. So he can kind of joke up there and say, I don't know what the distance is yeah. and don't get lost and things like that. <laughs> Which is basically his direction. It was like, don't get lost, pay attention. And I will say it was a really, really well marked course. It I mean, they had chalk out there, so if there was ever an intersection, it would just say big letters like no. Like, I'm like, okay, that's pretty obvious. Like, do not go this way, double lines. And it would have the name of the trail in chalk. I mean, it was so well marked. Except because, for the first. <laughs> yeah, except for the freaking <laughs> first quarter mile. No, that, that was not Steve's fault. That was me being a rookie. Okay. And how did it compare with your other races? Hands down, grittiest, gnarliest race I've done. 100%. Now, that said, I've done three three different races. I've done Mendo twice, which is like in the center of my heart. I love that race, but it's very kind. The single track is pristine. It's just amazing. And I did Black Mountain, which was in June of this year. And it was interesting because that was a race that was brought into my awareness. I read the website. It was like most challenging ultra in San Diego, most technical, steepest. And I was like, oh, I love it. Let's do it. And I, yesterday was black, running Black Mountain was such great experience for yesterday's race. So everything always builds. If you just follow that intuitive voice, you guys, there's this life that's waiting to unfold. It's just waiting to unfold. And if we let it unfold, oh my gosh, it's so much fun. It brings so much joy, so much joy. So yes, it was a very fulfilling experience, Carol. Thank you. But it was the hot, biggest elevation. It was the longest I've ever run. And it was definitely like just a gnarly course. It was awesome. I loved every. How was the weather? Every we didn't even talk weather, about the weather was perfection. It was kind of chilly in the like super cold in the morning because we're all like. I think you were puffies. chillier. That I wasn't as. All right, let's chilly. talk about me. I was really let's cold talk about BJ. all day. <laughs> But you guys all left. You left with a long sleeve and... But I had my glo- I had my hat off. Pretty quickly. Like, I was like, why did I bring this hat? Well, so you guys silly. started high and then you descended into the valley. And yeah, and then, so you go way down, you descend basic, I don't yeah. even know, a couple thousand feet. 
and then you run in like the bottom of this canyon, which is absolutely gorgeous. There's trees turning down there. I stopped and like I kissed a maple leaf. I was like, oh my God, I just love you. I was talking to nature the whole time. Like, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I was saying that to myself too. Like, I love you. I love your, this body. I love everything. The weather was perfect. It was absolute perfection. Uh, okay. Ryan, congrats. Would be great to hear about nutrition during the race. What was the plan and was it met? And somebody else I think asked about nutrition too. This is such so, a, it's so good. I, the nutrition, I got, I had some experience from just talking to the runners who had come in already and what their nutrition was like. And a lot of them were just gagging and puking and had too much Gatorade. Uh, on the course. So this question about nutrition, I think is super important because more and more that you do these races, the more, the longer you run in training routes, the more you have time to, to practice this nutrition. And for everyone out there, this is such an important piece because everybody's trained, everybody's fit. But when you get to this long time, uh, extended period of time, the nutrition and everything that's going on in the gut really needs to be balanced and, and you need to have a, a, a focus and presence of, of where your where your body is at that moment. So yeah, that, dive into that. I well, I think body awareness is huge and I have very, very acute, I have acute body awareness and I've cultivated that over so many years you know, back from being a massage therapist and just being an athlete. And then the other thing, which you brought this concept to my attention, BJ, and I think it's so true. It's not just about your race nutrition. It's about the gut that you're bringing to that race. What is the biology like in your gut? How is your digestion, right? Like, are you not going to the bathroom for days or... Is it hard for you to do that? Are you in there for a long time? These are all signs that there's opportunity to enhance your gut biology. And this isn't for right. This is like your everyday. Yeah, every day. Everyday nutrition. Like what, how do you show up every day to build that healthy gut biome? Like what do you, what food choices are you making to make that super, super solid? So when you get to race day. That your body can right. handle the stress. Because obviously my body was under stress yesterday. It's, I have a human body. It was under stress. My relationship to the stress that it was experiencing is where that's the game changer. Okay. All right. So this is what I did. I wrote it all down too. I recorded it in my journal. So my pre-race, this is my pre-race. There we go. The race started at 6 a.m. So by 3 a.m., so at 2.45 a.m., I had a cup of applesauce with one banana and a scoop of protein powder. And I use plant-based Garden of Life. I think we have Garden of Life or Orgain. Orgain right now. Orgain yeah. is, are the two that we use, and that's vanilla. So I had that. I knew we had a long drive. Typically, I would take 20 ounces of scratch with that, which is the liquid electrolyte replacement that we use, but I knew we had a long drive and there was like no turnouts. At least that's what it was saying. And it's a windy, dangerous road. And so I was like, I really didn't want to have to pee. So I just sipped on some goo in the car and, uh, goo then, tablets. Yeah. No, goo, not goo, goo. No, not gel, but I had a goo tablet in my water bottle and I sipped on that. I probably had about eight ounces of that leading up to the race, which is typically a lot less 
than I normally do, but I, f- I felt I had done so well at hydrating the day before. Pre-race, which was probably about 5.40 in the morning, I had a half of an almond butter and jam sandwich because I knew I was going to be taking the, the first part of it pretty conservative. It was all recon. It was just gathering information. And as our friend Jill would say, just gathering information. And so I had a half of an almond butter and jam sandwich, and then I was sipping on a hot cacao drink. So that's our cacao from One World Cacao. And then race food. This is what went down into my body during the race. So the first lap, I drank 106 ounces of water and 36 ounces of scratch. That's what I took in for liquid. And for food, I took in half of an almond butter sandwich with jam, one blueberry pie Lara bar, two slices of Trader Joe's vegan banana bread, one goo gel, one sleeve of the goo chews. And then when I got to the halfway mark at the aid station, I had a slice of watermelon and then I could not resist having a ghetto P&J because it was Wonder Bread and it was Skippy and it was Smuckers. And I was like, oh yeah, I got to get this in my, I got to ingest this poison and just transmute it to love. So I had that. And then I went out on the second lap knowing that I had this half a and j in there. So the second lap, it's going to seem like I took in less, but for liquid, I really didn't. Uh, for liquid, I took in another about a little less, maybe about 98 ounces of water and 36 ounces of scratch. And then for food, I took in two goo gels, one sleeve of goo chews, minus a couple of them. I didn't finish the whole sleeve. And then I took a handful of chips. At the halfway mark, I had six to eight of the best pickles of my life, pickle slices. They weren't full pickles. And I fueled all the way to the end. So around mile 30-ish, my belly said, no more food. When I went out on the second lap, I started burping. And so I just started paying attention to that because I was like, okay, I've got a lot of food in me. And I knew that I wanted to front load the food because I was going to be pushing the second lap and my body was going to be under more stress. So I front loaded the food, like the harder food. And I knew that I was going to be doing more gels and things like that on the second lap. And then of course, in the last 10 miles, I wanted to start to incorporate the cacao beans. So around mile 30-ish, my belly said, no more food. And I was like, all right, belly. We don't have to do food. That's cool. So I took in a little bit of water and I took in some salt because I was like, you can have some electrolytes in there. You can have some salt in there. I was taking base salt in. And if you know base salt, they come in like the little tubes. Over the course of the day, I took in about a third of that tube. I thought I took the whole tube in. I couldn't believe today I thought I had taken in so much, but I just took it consistently. I started taking salt in the first hour when I still had my gloves on. Because you just, I was already sweating. I could feel it on my back. I was already sweating. And um, so then around, I would say around mile 31, I was like, I'm going to take in some cacao beans. It was just something was telling me, take in the cacao beans because they've got oil in them. And that actually might feel good in your belly. So I ate maybe about five cacao beans. And I said, okay, cacao goddess, give me wings. Give me wings, baby. And I took those in and I had water and I was now filling up my my scratch bottles. I was diluting a little more water at aid stations and things like that. And then I took in another probably five to seven cacao beans in another few miles. And 
I just love taking those in at the end of the race because they don't F with my stomach. If anything, they just put this extremely high vibratory food into my body that just gives me wings. And so that's what I did for nutrition. Oh yeah, it was Jody. Jody is the one that also wanted to know about nutrition. She wanted to know about post-race nutrition. So before I go on to post-race nutrition, I can tell you that my nutrition was on point. It was great. I mean, at, you run 42 miles, your body at some point is going to say, all right, you just give me a break on the food. So it's listening to that, not panicking and not getting dramatic about it. Just be like, okay, belly, that's cool. I'll give you some space. I know what that feels like. I want space sometimes. And I was fueling. One thing I want to say is that when I was racing Ironman, like I fueled to the end. I never skipped that last aid station at Ironman. And I don't do that now. I mean, I fueled in the last two miles of this race and it's, and it's not so much of, yes, it's, yes, I want to keep calories in there because those last two miles, I am all out. I'm giving everything I can, but also why do I need to cross the finish line completely calorically deficient? right? It's like, I need to keep fueling my body and I'm fueling it with cacao beans, you know? And so I was fueling right to the end. And I think that that's something that I adopted as an Ironman. And that's something that's really served me well. And I learned it the hard way because there was a time when I skipped an aid station at the end and that didn't work. And I said, all right, I'm not going to do that ever again. So I don't. Post-race, they had vegan chili. So cool. Vegan chili. And so I had vegan chili right away. And then I had salted cucumbers, which are my new favorite thing to have out on the trail, but I forgot to take them and for grapes. the second loop yeah, and, grapes. and grapes, which I forgot to take. So I had a little bit of that after the race. I love those salted cucumbers. And one thing I love about the salted cucumbers when you use them while you train is that you can drink the juice that's in the bag after. It's really yummy. It's not as severe as like pickle juice. You know, it's not like it doesn't have crap in it. It's just salt and which is basically salt water and water, salt. Yeah. So yeah. I drink that. And then I had some green juice. BJ had a big green juice in the car and I sipped on that too, just to get like mainline in vegetables because I, in the days leading up to a race, I go totally simple carbs. I cut out fiber. I don't do vegetables. Pretty much cut out color too. Yeah. <laughs> I pretty, pretty much white. have a, pretty much have a white and beige <laughs> diet for about 36 hours before a race. And that serves me really well. And you got to find out what serves you really well. This journey is about you, you know, and, and it's helpful to have conversations like this, to ask these questions and, and to hear from somebody who hasn't had nutrition problems since 2008. You know, I haven't had nutrition problems in 10 freaking years. But you're also flexible. So if, if it's, so you talked about a Lara bar, that's not typically what we have. We, normally we have Amrita bars, but it's like, just flow with the moment. Like, Same okay, thing, this different is, day. Yeah, you go to the store and it was on sale and you get it. And then you go run with friends and you run out of food and they've got something to share with you and you taste it and you try it in training runs and it affects you. It doesn't affect you. You make a note and you move forward. Like getting dialed into just one specific food option really limits you. It's, it's about adjusting to all the options that are out there so that you're not hammering down the Gatorade just because you know Gatorade works and it has worked in the past. Like you're just, you're pushing it down, pushing it down, even though you're starting to feel something coming up. It's like move away from that and, and use another option. There's plenty of sources of food. And if your gut is strong and you've practiced 
playing around with different food items, solids and non and liquids, like that is going to set you up for success when you find those moments of struggle late in a race. Yeah. And not being fearful about it. So if you're like, oh my God, they don't have my bars and I have to get Lara bars. And I, it doesn't matter about the bar. The whole reason why the Lara bar worked for me is because I was completely neutral about the Lara bar. I was just like, it's fuel for my body. It wasn't typically what I have been training with regularly, but I didn't even give it a thought. So the mindset of, if the mindset is fear-based, then you're setting yourself up for a medium of chemicals being released from your brain that is not healthy for your body's environment. I mean, it's really as scientific and basic as that. And if you can just stay neutral with it, and also, like BJ said, bringing in a healthy gut, paying attention to that. So if that's something that you're struggling with, we can help you with that. And once we got home, right away, we made our vegan nachos, which has been our go-to for years now, and we love it. So we get, we got the Garden of Life, in the Garden of Life, yeah? Garden the of blue Life, chips, blue chips, salted. Salsa, avocado, of course salted. I don't know why they sell Illegal, the unsalted unsalted ones. Tortilla chips and potato chips should be illegal. And they're right next to each other. They should be illegal. Unsalted is like just... You got to look alive. Yeah. Because it's not going to be a good night if you bring home unsalted (laughs) chips after a And unsalted is usually the ones on sale. Oh, they're always cheaper. Yeah, they're always cheaper. So you're like, oh, you got to look for salted unsalted. It's stay in the abundance mindset. It's not about the price. It's about the salt. So we do blue chips with salsa, avocado, black beans, and vegan cheese. And it's like... It serves you up fat, it serves you up protein, it serves you up salt, it serves you up um, tomatoes, and you, you like, you cook it with the salsa on there, and if you heat up tomatoes, it releases lycopene, which is really yummy for you, it's very good for the body, so there's just, and it's an anti, it's plant-based, so it's anti-inflammatory. You really want to be awake and ready to the food that you're eating post-race. Is it inflammatory or is it anti-inflammatory? Is it poison in your body or is it fuel for your recovery? So that's why I was pounding some green juice on the way home, which tasted just really good after a couple of days of not having vegetables. That tasted really yummy in my body. And then as far as one thing I want to say to Ryan about the nutrition plan, as far as the regularity of how I eat, what I've been practicing for well over 10 years. I drink pretty much every 15 minutes or so. I'll take a sip. I alternate between the scratch and the water. Obviously, I had more water yesterday than scratch, but I was supplementing the electrolytes with the base salt. And then I eat, my rule for eating is about 40 minutes, which sometimes means 35 minutes and sometimes it means an hour. It's it's, I pay attention to how I'm feeling. And at the beginning, sometimes I'm hungrier. My metabolism, I don't know, is revved up. So I'll actually eat closer together at the beginning, but I always think 45 minutes and then somewhere around there, I check in to see how I'm feeling. So I've used that recipe for many, many years and it's worked out really well. And then you stay flexible within that. All right, one more question. Tracy, awesome job. How were those last... 10 unknown miles. I knew you would smash it based on the sounds of all your training. Yay. Yeah. Uh, BJ, a shout out to you. I think we really upped my game coming from Black Mountain to this race, thinking that I needed more game for North Face because there was so much climbing. 
And we focused on speed and strength for a good portion. I mean, I w- we focused on it, meaning we incorporated it. So every Tuesday I had a track workout and then Wednesday was a little bit easier. Sometimes it was a double run, but it was math. And then Thursdays was always Hills and then Hills, like all that stuff started getting really intense, but, and then a lot of strength. So we were doing the EC fit Boulder app. We'll put uh, a link to EC fit Boulder in the show notes. So I was doing that at least once a week. I was doing strength and a ton of core. And I'll tell you two, two things that were supporting my core was the, the actual core work that I was doing. But something that was secondary that really showed up yesterday was I've been focusing this year on my straight back posture and meditation because you want an activated spine and meditation, but you want everything around that spine to relax. So you've got this balance point between ease and effort, right? It's like such a, such a metaphor for running. And I really felt that yesterday. And also because your hips are tipped forward a little bit so that you can achieve that activated spine and meditation, you want to really work with the transverse abdominus and the low belly muscles to allow the low back to be long as opposed to super arched in the back, because that's not going to help you. It's going to overstretch your psoas and it's actually going to weaken those belly, belly muscles. So, uh, I've been really working on the straight back posture and everything that goes along with it. And it hit me yesterday, like, Oh my God, I have like a meditative posture right now. And so I felt like my form was so on and core. It's core is like meditation. We all know we need to do it. We uh, there's never been one person that I've talked to that has said I don't need to meditate. Everybody's like, "Oh, I know I should just do that. I know my mind is so crazy." Blah, blah, blah. Right? And believe me, that was me too. And core too. Oh my God, I need to do more core. But it's like, we avoid it. We cut it out. What the heck? Those two things, if you just meditated, if you just meditated, you'd be doing core. (laughs) (laughs) That would be helpful. So if you're not doing core at all, meditate and, uh, and you'll be activating your core. So Tracy, how are those last unknown miles? You know, my body felt really, really good. And I was excited for those miles to come. And when I hit 32, which Mendocino 50K is a 32-mile race, when I hit 32, I was like, okay, here we, even though I was already in the unknown, I was kind of playing with it a little bit. I just kind of made this announcement like, okay, universe, I'm officially in the unknown. And I loved every minute of it. I mean, I love the end of a race. I love the pushing. I love the cardiac drift. I love the story. The, I love the central governor that comes in and tries to tell me that I need to stop and rest. And then I realize, like, I'm just taken in the field. I'm just passing through an experience. I don't need to rest. And you gave me some really, really key workouts, BJ, in my training, especially when we got to race-specific stuff in, these last, in this last month, that I relied on yesterday that I went back to and was like, I don't need rest. I don't need rest. I have fitness. And the heart rate is, a, is eventually going to come down a little bit. But I mean, it was high. Like at one point I looked, it was high 170s on this climbing because FYI, the last six miles is a climb out of the canyon. The whole end is a climb. So obviously your heart rate's going to be high. My heart rate was Plus you're pegged. 30 miles into the race. Yeah. So at that point, cardiac drift, like just throw the heart rate out. 
But that doesn't mean it's not intense in the body situation. Oh, uh, yeah, of course, absolutely. And the central governor is not saying like, you should stop and take like 10 breaths. And I was like, I don't need to stop and, ten and take 10 breaths. So it's so important to be able to train your mind. Yeah, so if your mind, so we do this hill workout where you go hard up a hill and then you rest for 10 or 15 seconds and then you walk back down and then you rest and then you repeat. So now you're being trained to like give really hard efforts, recover just a bit, and then recover on the walk down. So now that's what's going on in your mind. Now there's a purpose for that. You know, you're, you're trying to get the most out of what your body that you can in those 20 or 30 seconds and then recover. But then there's also the workout that you did, which I think you're referencing that you re your brain relied on this where there was no rest. So now it's flipped it. Where you're yeah, like, you like topsy-turvied it for me yeah, you're with no warning whatsoever. Well, why would I give you warning? Because then you're going to Right, because you're a yogi triathlete. You're right. the yogi triathlete coach. So it's all about the mental game. All about the mental game. All about game. the mental game. You don't game. get any warning about these kinds of things. Yeah, it's how you handle the situation. So how is your mind going to handle going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, which is what you need. And no rest. No rest. And then 20 minutes of tempo. And this was on the trail. So we're talking... Rocks, we're talking uneven terrain, and then back to the hills. I mean, I was pegged. I was redlined for like 45 minutes. I never had a workout like that, but I was fit enough to do it. But you, but here's the exact reason why we do that, because you pulled upon it. Oh my God, I needed that in yesterday. Those 10 unknown miles. Definitely pulled upon it. To say, I've already done this. So if your mind needs proof, right? So I know a lot of people out there. You got to throw the mind to bone. Yeah, you got to throw it every now and then. In yoga, we well, usually... Well, I, I also think, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I also think that this is how you use the mind as a tool. It's not like we disregard the mind, but we use it as the tool that it is. So we provide it with files of information so that we can pull on those files later. Yeah, you make so the you mind on our side, yeah. Yoga? Oh, yoga, like throwing our athletes into Warrior Two. Or not our athletes. For or, an undetermined amount of time. For an undetermined amount of time. <laughs> Usually I don't give them a time. Like you're just going to be there and, and embrace the sensation that's building in your shoulders and just focus on one point, whether that's your fingers or your breath. But And you see the eyes start to wander and you see people start to fidget. And that's the very reason why we're put into those poses. However, there are times where I will throw them a bone. In a more experienced class, I will say, you're going to be here for 60 seconds. And then what does your mind do with that? It's not always the case, but continually mixing it up so the brain is not relying on past experience all the time. And that's what's happening when you mentioned the central go central governor is it the, the body wants to be in a comfortable spot, right? The mind is saying, I, I, what are you doing? I wanna be comfortable. Um, I've done this before, I need to rest before I can go out and do another effort. So the, the central governor is there to protect you. However, you need to explore the limits of that protection. You, you need to get into those moments where exactly what you did, where the mind was telling you, you need to take a breath. And you said, hmm, that's interesting. Good information. Thank you. I'm going to keep going. Right. And now you're dipping your toes in the, in the, the water of the unknown and you come out the other side and sometimes you succeed, sometimes you learn. And both experiences are correct, but you're up-leveling and you're beginning to, to rewire your brain into what, you, what, you, what is possible. Rethink what your beliefs are, what your sound story you think defines who you are.
Because it's, that's a prison. Yeah, it's limits. It, it limits your potential. It limits your potential. So explore those, explore those limits. Go, go into the unknown, the 10 miles, which you've never run before. Push yourself up a hill, and then instead of then stopping to let the heart rate come down, go one or two steps more. Just explore I, did, I must have done that 10 times. I had so many opportunities where my, the mind was like, you need to take breaths. And I was like, I don't need to take breaths. Everything is fine. I am super fit. My heart is so strong. I've got this. Like eventually it's going to flatten out or I'm going to have a little bit of a downhill and then it's going to recover a little bit. You know, the last lap is, is just, it's the last lap. So, you know, I've been out there for a while and there's going to be physiological responses to that. And uh, it's staying out of the story, I think is such a skill. It, these races are your opportunities to rewrite the story. Hey, right, let's get that eraser out. Let's yeah. start to change things up. Yeah. So I was thinking about how I can get faster because third place is not enough. And this is what was coming in for me yesterday. I was knowing, like, what's slowing you down here? And so I think number one is just more time on technical trails because this trail was, it was really technical. And there were some times where I had to really slow it down. But when the lead runners came through, which was so cool because it was a lollipop loop. So, and it was single track. It was narrow. Like Steve Harvey was saying, he was like, it's legitimate single track. It's not like super wide in a lot of places. And you would hear them coming and just watching them bounce and do drops. And like, it's just so beautiful to see these guys running at that pace. So just more time on the trails and then We've talked about this, BJ, just getting better bounce. And so you've given me some exercises that I'm going to start to work with in this next training block to just get that better bounce as opposed to, I must feel like sometimes when I'm taking big leaps or drops or something like that, it's almost like that foot strike. It's, it like, it's final. Like it just stops me. It doesn't stop me, but you know, it, it could have more bounce it's, and it's the momentum. Of, it's the end of the stride versus the beginning of the next. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want yeah the, momentum. I momentum. want the beginning of the next. That's what I want to move into. <laughs> and then the second thing that I was thinking was, uh, how can we like make my engine more e efficient? So yesterday was so cool to be out there and just be like, I have such an endurance engine. I've been doing this for so many years. Like there's no question if I needed to do, if I decided to do the hundred K yesterday, I could have done it. I know I could have done it because my engine is so pronounced, but is there a way that we can make my engine more effective with that cardiac drift like where I'm going faster with still with that cardiac drift happening, is there a way I can make it more efficient? Well, more efficient, I, I think, would come from doing more of the math effort, going longer on the trails, but sprinkling in more speed. So, so you slowly raise, and this is the, the, the methodology which kind of, it deviates from the true math method, method, which is just math pace like you run yeah but i think even phil maffetone talks about this very little yeah but he talks about very very little bit of speed and that's sort of what we've done maybe it's tawny and um lucho, lucho have talked yeah. about mixing it up a little bit yeah that's and i'm more in the lucho and tawny um making camp. it their own making it their own and so i like to have our athletes run a lot of 
math pace, so that steady Z2 pace for a long time and getting really good at that and build that foundation and then sprinkle in the speed. It's like the frosting on the cake. So we did a little bit of that, but we can do more of that. So Because I feel like I built more of a platform for everything. If this is, I can totally is, see the steps and the stages. So this was my fourth ultramarathon. Fourth? Yeah. I only did Mendocino one last year? Twice. Mendocino was your first. Then Mendocino again. Yep. Then Black Mountain. Okay, then... so this is my fourth ultramarathon. Yeah. And you've taken me through stages where it was like, okay, get her on the trails. Step one, get her on the trails. You know, and that's a whole... And learning, learning to run in this new environment. And then... Last year was, I was, that's why I took a lot of time off last year to heal. I needed to heal something chronic in my leg that started way back in Ironman and healed that in more ways than one. And then came back and did Mendocino this year and then had like an hour PR and then was like, oh yeah, let's get, and then we got a little bit of training and did Black Mountain, had another like hour PR. And then we added in, cause I was stronger then. Yeah. So it's, it's a balance of getting you consistently training, which we have you at now. Like you're consistently out on the trails three or four times a week and running six, most likely six days a week for the most part. So it's that consistency. Even though they're not long runs, you're consistently running. So your durability is increasing. My durability. Yeah. And the strength and, and the strength, but I, also I am so strong. Your recovery and your recovery coming back and getting on the foam roller, going to swim once or twice a week. Just swimming is easy, huge. Easy workout. Yeah. Swimming is great. And putting fins on and kicking, like getting those legs. It's not like staying away from the legs, use the legs, like get them to shake out. So I think a combination of all that and then bumping up your, your speed, doing those hill repeats and strength on the trails in real world experiences. Yeah. Cause uh, I'm getting more skillful at the trail so I can push it. I can push it more on the, the trail. Same thing with Ironman. I, I, I think about this all the time. I think about the backside of Ironman Lake Placid coming from, What's that campground out there? Wilmington Notch. Yeah. So coming from Wilmington back into town, the rollers carrying your momentum up the road. Like the more and more you do that, the more you're familiar with pushing it, pushing it, pushing it up a hill, which normally in a hilly situation in an Ironman, you want to spin it up. But when you get to feel these rollers, the six or seven rollers that are on the backside, you begin to carry your momentum up, maybe push a little bit harder and then carry it down and then into the next one. And it just comes with experience. So you're carrying the effort further into the the distance than you would if you just were newer to the, the race course or to ultra running where you're just going to, you want to get up the hill and catch your breath and then come down. Now you can begin to push it up and carry that momentum down and then come up the next one because you know you have that confidence that you're fit enough and strong enough to, to have those peaks and then recover on the downs and to keep it moving forward. That's where you're going to save time. Cool. I like saving time. I just want to... Yeah, I'm just going to get better and better at this. And I love the experience. So now it's rest time. I mean, I can sit here and say I'm going to take a couple of weeks off from running because that's what I've done in the past. But I don't know, I'm just so jazzed about my experience yesterday. And I have a friend that's running her first 50 mile in January. So I might need to get out there and do some training run with, with her. I don't know. We'll see when I get back. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm going to swim tomorrow. Recovery. Right now it's recover my body and not rush anything. So definitely this week I won't run. And we'll see about next week. I don't know. A lot of yoga. A lot of yoga. That's what's coming. But I'm going to take, 
this first 48 hours to just let the inflammation do its thing and uh and heal the body and then i'll start stretching it out and doing yoga i yoga i don't want to do yoga today you don't have to (laughs) coach says no plus it's time to eat some pizza okay we're gonna wrap this up i think we got everybody's question you guys thank you so much for being a part of this, for helping us produce this show and put it together and subscribing through iTunes and um, for supporting us on Patreon. We, we really couldn't do this without your support. And for all of our patrons who have taken on the Double Up Challenge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you really helped us get pulled out of the trenches. And I think this show is important. And I think the message that we're we're putting into the world is important and you guys are all a part of it and thank you so much we're we're extremely grateful so what about a little challenge for our listeners for the next week i I think the challenge of core and let's let's commit to core right we talk about it we see it on social media or not social media if you've removed the app from your phone which i think i have some athletes doing lately so commit to core and don't Set yourself up for failure by saying you're going to start and do 15 minutes of core every day for the next week. What you need to do is, after you listen to this podcast, drop to the floor and do a 10-second plank. And then be done. And then tomorrow, the next day, do a 20-second plank. And then a 30-second plank the next day. And just build up to a minute plank by the end of the week. There you go. Commit to core. If you want to do extra credit, do extra credit. But start small. Habits start small. A little bit every day over a long period of time. 